Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. I have a daughter. I have one daughter. Her name is Casey, and uh, she is an extraordinary young lady, a very strong woman. I, I always tell her that she was the easiest person in the world to raise uh, because she drew her own boundaries and lines. She was extraordinary. Occasionally, she would have guys who would be interested in her that did not listen to her directions, uh, the direction of no. And occasionally, I felt like, as a father, I needed to step in and intervene on behalf of her to protect her from some of these guys. And there's one particular moment where... Uh, a young man came to visit my daughter when we were not at the house, and my daughter says, uh, you, can, you can come into the yard, but you can't come in the house. My parents have made a rule for us that uh, uh, we can't be alone in the house with uh, a boy uh, if they're not present. And so she went inside and uh, started to close the doors and the windows, and uh, this boy tried to jump into the through the door and through the windows to get to Casey. And... Uh, she successfully kept him out of the house, but when I got home, the boy was still there, and uh, so Casey told me the story, and so I felt a need then to speak up. So uh, I'm a pastor, and uh, this boy had just been at a youth camp that I had been part of, and so we knew each other, and so I pulled him aside, and I said, uh, my, my daughter tells me that you tried to, you know, come through the doors and the windows after she told you no. Is that correct? He said, yes, yes, Uncle Brian, that's correct. And I said, well, um, you, when, when my daughter tells you no, uh, that, that's final. I, you don't understand that. And I said, uh, and don't, don't think for a moment because I'm a pastor that I will not take you out. <laughs> you may think that because I'm a nice guy, because you've just seen me at youth camp and we had a lot of fun together, but I will take you down. When you hear my daughter say no, I want you to see my face. Yes, Uncle Brian. Yes, Uncle Brian. Uh, I don't think, I, I think I killed any, any attraction this boy had for my daughter, um, my poor daughter. <clears throat> I wanted this boy to understand that there was a bigger threat than my daughter's rejection. Uh, and I... I feel like this is the question that we all need to wrestle with in life. And I believe we do wrestle with this. We make decisions based on what we believe to be the biggest threat. What's the biggest thing that we can lose? And we make decisions based on that. For this boy now, hopefully, every time he is interested in a girl, he's a man now, I'm sure. He's grown up and made other decisions. But to think about the bigger threat, what's the bigger thing that he could lose than what's right in front of his face and what he could lose then? The bigger threat. Matthew 10, verse 28 says this. <clears throat> this is the words of Jesus to his disciples as they were about to be sent out. He says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What Jesus is saying to his disciples is, look, Everything that you might experience when you're out there sharing the gospel is nothing compared to what I can do to you. And, and the motivation here from God is that there is a greater thing to, to respect and a greater thing to be in awe of is the power of God 
And in the context of this passage, he goes on to say, there's a greater justice of God. God's justice is greater than any other justice. There's God's love is greater than any other love and God's power and authority is greater than anything else that you might experience. There's a, there's a greater, there's a greater threat. That's what Jesus says here. So the greatest threat there, threat here than anything that you might experience. But we fear the things that we shouldn't be afraid of, right? Instead of fearing only God, we fear everything else. We're afraid of losing that thing in front of us instead of losing our souls. We fear being sued. We fear finishing last. We fear going broke. We fear the cancer skin patch on our bodies, the new kid on the block. We, we fear the sound of the clock as it ticks us closer to the grave. We sophisticate investment plans. We create elaborate security systems and legislate stronger military, yet we depend on mood-altering drugs more than any other generation in history. We fear the wrong things. Moreover, ordinary children today are more fearful than psychiatric patients were in the 1950s. Fear never wrote a symphony or a poem. Fear never negotiated a peace treaty. Fear never cured a disease. Fear never pulled a family out of poverty or a country out of bigotry. Fear never saved a marriage or a business. Courage did that. Faith did that. Jesus invites us to fear him over everything else. There's a, there's a bigger threat and there's, a bigger, there's, a, there's more at stake than what seems to be right in front of you. James Wright Foley, who worked for the... Um, Agence France Press uh, in 2014 was, was killed on camera by, by ISIS. This is in 2014. They slowly uh, uh, took a knife and, and cut his throat and decapitated him. I just can't imagine what he must have been thinking before this happened. Is God fair? Does God love me? Is God all-powerful, really, at that moment? But whether you're riding your mountain bike and you get hit by a stone in the head or walking in town and get robbed, or whether you're James Foley and are executed slowly by de decapitation, the fact of the matter is, is that God is completely fair and just. He has supreme power over all, and he loves his children with an obsessive and complete love. For these reasons, he tells us not to be afraid, but fear only him. I have to say that if it was me, in the place of James Foley, I would have questioned God's justice. I would have questioned God's power, his, his abilities, his capacity. I would have questioned his love for me. But this is the question, what is the bigger threat? In those moments when, when you have every reason to be afraid, God says, fear only God. Fear only Him. And this is, the, this is what always occupies the minds of all of us is what is the bigger threat? What is, what is it that is most worthy of fear? My current situation, my current economics, my current family, or is it really truly, truly be in awe and respect of the one who can take all that away? This is the question that occupies the minds of all of our politicians around the world. Doesn't matter what country you're from. This is the, these are the questions they debate always is, do I do what is right so as to protect everyone 
or do I do whatever will ensure my power? These are the questions that people debate, whether you're talking about uh, energy. Energy, the big debate is, do we have solar? Do we have wind now? Or do we have uh, nuclear power? What is, the, what is the biggest threat to now or to later? And these are the questions and debates that we have. Is there, is there an ecological threat with this decision that is going to, we're going to lose everything if we go this direction, or should we rather wait and have some other option that would be better for the environment so that ultimately we can live longer? These are the questions that people debate. If I refuse to invest money into a power grid so that I can have power now, is that a good choice? We see this living out in societies around the world where politicians have decided their own power instead of the bigger threat, which is to lose everything and ultimately their own power because they threw everything, including the baby, away. These are the decisions that we always make. The issue of abortion, the rights of the mother, or the right to life for everyone, including the baby. Is there a bigger threat to society than the rights of the mother? And these are the questions that we debate all the time. But we continue to get stuck in these areas, don't we? A wife or a husband has an affair. Not fair. I gave birth to these kids and now you're after another woman. I have no control over your behavior and you're wondering emotions or eyes. You don't love me. I am not valued. But the decision to leave, the decision to have an affair, all those decisions are based on, I want to get mine now and not aware of the bigger threat, the bigger problem which is losing everything. Uh, when at my fifth wedding anniversary, I went to my wife and I thought this was a romantic, loving thing to say to my wife. I said to her, I said, I want you to know I will never have an affair. Never, never have an affair. I will never leave you. I will never marry again. And I said, because I don't want to work this hard with anyone else. <laughs> She received it quite nicely. I thought she was very good at how she received that. But the reality is that the, the thought that somehow I could have it better with someone else, if I cheat on my wife, I can have it better with someone else. No, if I cheat on my wife, then I get with someone else. I've married a cheater and they've married a cheater. And, and nothing will be sweeter than the marriage that I was in. There, there's a bigger threat. There's a much bigger threat. We're pretty sure that there is no justice in the world and the world is out of control and that we are not loved. And so we make decisions based on just trying to protect ourselves and not realizing that there's a, there's a greater threat. God invites us to fear only Him instead of our current circumstances. Rather than fearing God, we protect our self-interest and ultimately lose everything. This passage is in the context of Jesus sending the 12 apostles out to share the gospel. He told them not to be afraid, but fear only him. He said, you will be attacked. I'm sending you out. He says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves, but be aware. You'll be handed over to the courts and you'll be flogged with whips in the synagogue. Jesus makes a compelling argument not to be afraid because there's a greater threat. He says, fear me over anything else that you might see and you might face. God is completely fair. 
He has supreme power over all who act justly. And he loves his children with an obsessive and complete love. For these reasons, he tells us not to be afraid, but fear only him. Can you just imagine Jesus choosing his 12 and sending them out, what that must have been like? Saying, go out, proclaim the gospel, uh, heal every disease, cast out demons, but take no supplies with you. Let people help you when you get to those places. And then he goes on, he says this. I want you to see this in Matthew 10. Uh, Matthew 10 verse um, yeah, Matthew 10, verse 14. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, what do you do? Shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on that judgment day. Jesus is saying, look, there's a bigger threat here than your rejection. There's a bigger threat here than anything you might face here. The threat is that people could lose their soul. So don't be afraid. Matthew 10, 24. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. When I, what I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all day. He's saying, look, don't be afraid. Shout it out. Shout the truth because ultimately justice will prevail. What's hidden today What's done in secret today will be exposed. Don't be afraid because you will suffer. Don't be afraid because you'll suffer, but also be afraid because be aware that justice will prevail. Be fear only God. Be wise and innocent. You'll be beaten. You'll be falsely accused. You'll be hated. You'll be betrayed by family. All those things. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. Fear me more than any of that. Luke 12. I love this passage. Luke 12, verse 55. When the south wind blows, you say today will be a scorcher. And it is, you fools. You know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. Very often we look at our lives, we look at the reality of our lives, at least our perceived reality of our lives, and we're more afraid of what we think is happening around us than truly, ultimately, there's a greater... There's a greater loss at stake, and that is the loss of ourselves. And so we're encouraged, instead of being anxious about this moment, we're encouraged to be truly concerned what God thinks of us and to live in that reality. When you're on the way to court with your accuser, try to settle the matter before you get there. Otherwise, your accuser may drag you before the judge who will hand you over to an officer will throw you into prison. And if that happens, you won't be free again until you have paid the very last penny. The fact of the matter is, is that God has authority over our soul. So fear only him. God's justice will prevail. Don't be concerned about these courts. The courts that you might experience here, everyone, including the ones falsely accusing you, will stand before the biggest court. There's a bigger court than whatever court you might face here. Whatever court you might face here for standing firm in your faith, whatever job you might lose because you stood firm in your love for Jesus Christ, there's a greater compensa uh, compensation that comes only from Christ. Yeah, there's a greater court that we all have to stand before. Fear only God. The reality of our present circumstances, if we're fearing only God and serving God, is that we have joy even when there's no reason to be joyful. Uh, this is the paradox of our faith. I find this so fascinating. Um, 
2 Corinthians 6, and it's not on here, but it says, as sorrowful, we're, we're sorrowful yet, we always rejoice as poor yet making many rich. Let me pull this up for you. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 8 through 10. It is here. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We are ignored even though we are well known. This is the reality of our present circumstance if we're followers of Jesus. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we, are spirit, we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. This is our present reality for a child of God, is that we own, may own nothing here, but we have everything. And so that's why we need to be concerned about the one who has the eternal last word on our souls. Fear only God. Don't be anxious about this place. Fear only God. Don't be afraid of those who threaten you. The time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed. I'm sure many of you in this room have experienced trauma, experienced things in your life that you can make a strong case that it wasn't fair. Maybe the way you were treated, maybe abused or hit, or I don't know what's happened in your life, but the fact of the matter is, is that you can make a strong case that life is not fair for you. Be, be aware that whatever injustice was done in secret will be exposed, and ultimately God's justice will prevail. He sits on His throne, righteous throne, which is a throne of justice. The Bible tells us in Psalms that truth and love go before him and he sits on the throne of justice. Ultimately, whatever injustice has been done on this earth will have to stand before God's court. God's court. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because ultimately, God's justice will prevail. Don't be afraid also because God is supremely powerful. There's no one more powerful than him, greater than any other adversary we might face. There's no one who is stronger and bigger than anyone that you might encounter. Matthew 10 says, don't be afraid of those who kill your body. Verse 28, they cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear him, love him, love more than anything else. Fear. This is what this idea, uh, this concept of fear is to fear, to be afraid, alarmed. In some context, uh, the idea is that it's this reverence, this respect of worship, uh, be in awe of God over everything else because God is supremely powerful. Uh, you may have played this game, uh, who's more powerful, Superman or Batman? Uh, have you done that? Uh, we, we all know it's Superman. We can talk later if you have problems, but... But in your context today, what is it you fear more than God? Uh, possibly you fear the witch doctor. Uh, possibly you fear the wrath of your ancestors. Possibly you fear this government. Maybe you fear losing your business. Your, maybe the fear of your family and the, the care and compassion of your, of your parents. Possibly you've chosen to have an affair with a man because 
you're hoping that this man will take care of you. And ultimately, you forgot the bigger picture. The bigger threat is that possibly you'll have a baby that you'll have to take care of the rest of your life instead of help from this man. We make these choices. And we have choices. Ultimately, there's a bigger threat. Ultimately, the bigger question is the almighty power for God and what he thinks about the issue. No one has power over your soul except for God. No one. So therefore, this kind of power is trumping power. This is over everyone. And you try to imagine anyone who is powerful, there is no one more powerful than our God. And so God says, fear him over everything else. Our success in overcoming fear will be linked with how much we understand the trumping power of our God. Ultimately, we believe that our situation has power over us, whereas in actual fact, only God has power over you. And we need to submit to that. We are not designed as human beings to be able to live in constant state of anxiety over these things in this world. Uh, our body cannot take, uh, for an extended period of time, anxiety. There's just so many medical and physiological reasons why if we live in a state of constant anxiety, we can die. Literally, anxiety can kill us. So we fear the wrong things and we are obsessed with fear and anxiety over everything except for what we should be concerned about and that is Christ and His thinking in our lives. He has power over our soul. And I can tell you this, if you fear only God, God will give you peace. God will help you to give a peace that passes all man's understanding in the context of this life. Our bodies are not designed to maintain a constant state of anxiety. You'll die young. You'll, be, you'll have ulcers. There's so many physiological problems that you will have and encounter if you choose to fear this world over God. Fear God and God will make sense out of the craziness of this world. God will give you peace and a joy that you cannot explain. That's his promise. So fear only him. He is more powerful than any situation that you're in. There's no one who is more powerful than our God. Philippians 1, verse 20, the words of Paul, sitting in prison. He knows he's in prison, probably the last place he's ever going to be in as he's thinking. This is what he says, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for the Christ as I have been in the past. And he says, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. Paul, sitting in prison, wondering, should I die or should I live? But ultimately, I fear God. So I'm at peace. I can still share the gospel even if I'm in prison. And you hear this over and over again in Paul's writing. He says, don't be ashamed of me that I'm in prison. I'm able to share the gospel here. So he's in prison, but he's rich. He's in prison, but he's free because of Christ. Fear did not build ships, planes, or trains. Courage did that. Fear did not fight for freedom. Courage did that. Fear keeps us from standing firm. Fear keeps us from walking or running. Fear keeps us from living. 
Fear keeps us from greatness and keeps us in a continual life of compromise. Fear only God. Don't be afraid because God is completely just. There's no one more fair than God. Do not be afraid because God is supremely powerful. There's no one more powerful than Him, but also do not be afraid and fear only Him because no one loves us like God the Father. There's no one who is obsessed with us like God. Matthew 10, verse 29. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. I love this passage for probably some obvious reasons. Jesus counts less on my head than your hair, your heads. It takes less time for God to count my head than yours. But Luke 12, verse 6 through 7, uh, puts this in a sort of a different way. This is the perspective of, of Luke. He says, what is the price of five sparrows, uh, two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. He goes on to say the very hairs on your head are numbered. But this idea that if you bought two sparrows only, it would be more expensive than buying five. I mean, that's how, that's how cheap sparrows are, that there's this idea that the fifth sparrow is thrown in for free. I just lost my sermon, but it just popped up here again. Yeah, iPad. Luke takes this one step further. If one, buy, if one penny buys two sparrows, according to Matthew, but two pennies buys five, according to Luke, if you want to give up one more penny, then you, then you get a fifth sparrow for free. I think often we might feel like the fifth sparrow. Do you feel that way? Uh, like the one that's really insignificant, not, not a big deal. But God greatly loves his creation. He counts sparrows. We who might think they're useless, and we are more valuable than sparrows. The, the word here in the text, really, it's the idea that uh, every time a, a sparrow actually uh, lands on the ground, uh, this, this is the idea that God actually counts those sparrows. God knows every time a sparrow lands and takes off. God is detailed and obsessive in his love for us. Not obsessive in a bad way. This is a, this is a good thing. And I'm, I'm fascinated by the vast scope of God's power and God's love for his creation, the detail of his love, down to the minutia, that he goes down to the very uh, detail of who we are, the hairs on our head. If you look at our of creation, you look at the, the, the detail of, of creation and that every single species is important to our survival. And God considers and knows how many are out there? Consider the, the mussel in North American rivers and lakes. They're also being threatened, but they're important for our ecosystem. God knows how many <laughs> mussels are in North American rivers and lakes. God cares about uh, the number of kudu that's in Namibia and the oryx. He knows the details of all of that because all of that is essential for our survival. 
you might get irritated with environmentalists, but they are just God's agents of trying to help us understand that every single species is important to our survival. And God is aware of all that and cares about all of that, down to the very numbers of hair on my head. We style hair, we color hair, we cut hair, but we don't count hair. I have never in my life ever counted the number of hair, uh, hairs on my child's hair, head. I've never uh, asked Dana to sit down my wife and count her hair because I love her so much. I've never done that. It'll probably drive her nuts. Maybe we can do that later. Um, <laughs> but, but this idea of, of this extraordinary love of God, there's no one who loves us like God. There's no one who will ever love us like God will love us. So he says, don't be afraid. You're loved. And we're loved because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. His extraordinary love for us is, is, is overwhelming. It's incredible. So fear only him. Be concerned only what he thinks about you, not what anyone else. In the context of this passage, it's about sharing the gospel. It's about going out, being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Says, Don't be afraid. I'm the God of perfect justice. I'm the God of perfect power. I'm the God of perfect love. Ultimately, I have power over your soul, so fear only me. There's a bigger threat. Whenever we go out and share the gospel, we, we're afraid of the rejection. We're afraid of awkwardness. Have you ever shared the gospel and it's just awkward? I, I've done that. My first ever gospel presentation was one of the most awkward moments. I wish I had it on video. It was hilarious. It was terrible. It was horrible. Uh, I, was, I felt awkward, and the person I was sharing the gospel with felt awkward. We both felt awkward. Uh, we kept talking for some reason. I don't know why. But ultimately, we got past the awkward, and this individual uh, gave her life to Christ. And after she gave her life to Christ, I was more shocked than she was that she actually said yes to Jesus because of the unbelievable awkwardness. But I was afraid the whole time that my presentation was off and that she didn't want to hear what I had to say. And, and so there was all this goofy fear. Instead of being more concerned about the fact that if she did not follow Jesus Christ, she would lose her soul. There's a bigger threat than my reputation, than people liking me, than my popularity. The bigger threat is their soul that could be lost. And so we step out and we say, you need to, you need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ regardless of what happens to me. Even if I lose my life, the fact of the matter is, is that if you're without Jesus, whoever you're sharing Christ with, if they're without Jesus, if they have not chosen to follow Christ yet, they're not a child of God, they are already bound for a, for a destructive end. You have life because you're, you're, you're a child of God, but they do not have life yet. There's something much greater at stake here than your reputation, how popular you are whether this person rejects you or cares for you. Fear only God. Ultimately, the present reality is, is that only Jesus saves, and without Christ, there is no life. That's the reality. That's the present reality that we all live in, is that without him, we are lost. Because of God's extraordinary love for us that is over everything else, we matter most to God. We matter most to him then we matter to anyone else. So don't be afraid, fear only him. We can crumble if we're not careful under the, under the words of those who are angry, demeaning, belittling, and downright hateful because of the choices we make. We're, we're, at, we're in danger of giving up everything 
and losing everything unless we realize that there's a greater loss at stake if we do not follow Christ. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Jesus ends chapter 10 with a warning in relation to sharing the gospel. There's a bigger threat. <laughs> Matthew 10, verse 32 says this. This is the words of Jesus. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Jesus is saying, fear only me. Look, I, if you deny me here, I'll deny you there. There's a greater threat. He goes on to say, verse 34, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your household. There's a greater threat. Verse 37, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to this life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will what? You'll find it. Verse 40, anyone who receives you receives me. And anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you'll be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you'll be given a reward like theirs. But if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. This is a strong, stern warning from our Father. Yes, we need to be motivated by the love of God, by the justice of God, by the power of God, but also we need to be motivated by the authority of God over our lives. God has power over our souls. And this needs to make us think. It needs for us to adjust our fear and our affections, but to adjust our fear towards an almighty God who has control over everything and shift away from the anxiety of this world to having an anxiety about what God thinks. And I assure you, if you're willing to shift that anxiety over to what God thinks over anything you might experience here in this earth, you line up with where he wants to lead you, God promises that he'll give you the kind of peace that you've never had before and the kind of joy that only He can provide. God will make sense out of this nonsense. So whatever you're afraid of today, replace it with a healthy fear of God. That's the invitation. It's the command of Christ. Fear only God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise You. We thank You. And Lord Jesus, thank you for the healthy reminder, Father, that uh, you ultimately, yes, you love us, but Father, you have total authority over our souls and our destination. And so, Lord, we are motivated today by the threat to our lives that is bigger from you than from anything else. This is Rico Veca 
and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.